0: Welcome back to Firewalls Don't Stop Dragons. I'm your host, Kerry Parker, and we've got another new show for you this week. We've got a lot of things happening. Um, so it's kind of actually kind of good. we got a couple new shows in a row to catch up. Uh, hopefully, got some good interviews coming up soon. And uh, just trying to. The scheduling is always a sh- always an issue. So uh, sometimes it's a little bit of feast or famine. So uh, I've got several in the works. We'll just uh, have to wait and see how soon they come into fruition. So. Uh, This week, I've got a few things to talk about. There's actually several things I could have covered this week. I had to kind of pick and choose. Uh, But we're going to talk, of course, about the Capital One hack, uh, where over 100 million accounts were breached. We're going to talk a little bit about that and what that might mean to you. Uh, I've talked last week about how Apple was kind of lumped in with Google and Amazon for having real live humans review some of these little short commands that we give to our digital assistants. And I've got some updates on all of those for you. I've uh, got a kind of disturbing, uh, story about ring doorbell, uh, which was bought by Amazon. I have one, uh, I've recommended them to others, uh, but they're kind of doing some weird stuff with that. And particularly how they're now actually kind of working directly with the police departments kind of sounds creepy. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. Uh, then I've got, uh, just a couple other quick tidbits to notes about some ransomware attacks going on in m- municipalities around the, the country and uh how there's several very important updates out there uh, and just to remind you to uh, update all your devices i'll talk a little more specifically about that toward the end and finally a very uh fun and easy tip of the week hopefully you will enjoy that so let's get to the news all right first up our top story uh i'm sure you've seen this in news capital one was hacked um they had uh, it's apparently over 100 million different users, 100 million in the United States, and I think 6 million in Canada, who's to varying degrees, had data stolen from some servers. And it's not, maybe not exactly as bad as some of the previous breaches we've seen, but nevertheless, bad. And so uh, let's, let me just talk about this. This is an article from Mashable, uh, which is a fun site. And it's got, I think, in a nice appropriate level, of snark. So... <laughs> Let's let's read from this article from Mashable, and then I'll uh, give you my take. Well, this is not good. Finance services giant Capital One announced Monday that there had been a major cybersecurity incident directly affecting 100 million Americans and 6 million Canadians. Specifically, a host of their customers' private financial data had been accessed by a hacker. According to a statement issued by the company, two separate breaches occurred, once on March 22nd and once on uh, March 23rd, and were discovered on July 19th. Bloomberg reports that a Seattle woman has been arrested and accused of hacking Capital One's server at an unnamed cloud computing company. Uh, by the way, I think that's—I uh, think they've confirmed that it was Amazon, Amazon's Web Services. Notably, it seems that although the customer data in question was encrypted, the hacker was able to decrypt it. And just what customer data exactly was accessed? Quite a bit, as it turns out: names, address, zip codes or postal codes, phone numbers, email addresses, dates of birth, and self-reported income for starters. But it doesn't end there. Customer status data, e.g. credit scores, credit limits, balances, payment history, contact information, and fragments of transaction data from a total of 23 days during 2016, 2017, and 2018 were also accessed. Some victims have it worse than others, as 140,000 social security numbers were also accessed, along with 80,000 linked bank account numbers. So it goes on a little bit, and eventually there's a quote from the company saying that it will be notifying affected customers through a variety of channels, and of course, offering free credit monitoring, the, uh, the standard, I'm sorry, booby prize <laughs> that these companies seem to be offering. And as we talked about last week, credit monitoring is nice. There's no reason not to take it, uh, to you know, but it, it doesn't prevent identity theft. It just helps you identify it more quickly when it happens and hopefully, you know, catch it before it gets too, too far along and does more damage. So really there's, there's not a whole lot more to be said about this. Um, uh, I guess one interesting part about this is the data was encrypted and somehow it wasn't encrypted well. Uh, actually, what it looks like happened here is there was, and this is from a separate article I read from Brian Krebs, when I'm not going to go into because it, it was very technical. Um, but there are software protections in place to prevent this sort of thing from happening, but even those things have bugs. And basically there was a configuration error of some sort on some of these security things that basically allowed someone to bypass them, and access data they should not have been able to access. So uh, I, one thing from this article I have not heard is whether or not this data was actually released anywhere. Like if they, if this person uh, sold it on the dark web somewhere and it's actually been released, I, I'm not sure. But it's just another breach, and it's happening all the time. And again, uh, like I said last week, really your best proactive measure is to freeze your credit. And if even that is not guaranteed 100% to protect you. Uh, but it's right now it's probably the best thing you can do. Uh, the other thing of course you could, you know, take away from this, which is hard to do at this point, is I guess limit your financial transactions as much as possible. Don't pick up credit cards for the hell of it just because there's some special deal and you're gonna get that card for six months, stop using it and throw it away. You know, the 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 more places your data is out there, the more places it can be stolen from. All right, next up, I talked last week about how Apple is the latest company with a smart assistant that's one of these devices that you talk to and it responds to you uh being quote unquote caught i don't i think it was well known that this was happening just well maybe that's the wrong way to put it but it's known that this was happening and if you dug through your terms and conditions you may have assumed it was happening and me being a software engineer i know this kind of stuff happens because like i said these things do need to be trained and in order to train them they have to have some sort of a human involved to listen to these things and improve them so anyway it wasn't a surprise to me um Though it you know, a lot of the articles make it sound super creepy, even though in this case, as much of a privacy nut as I am, uh, I didn't find it as super creepy. Nevertheless, uh, after all these articles, these companies have apparently gotten the memo <laughs> that people don't like this and are giving you some more control. So uh, let me read this article from App uh, Apple Insider uh, with some updates on all of all three companies. Apple on Thursday suspended its Siri grading program, which seeks to make the virtual assistant more accurate by having workers review snippets of recorded audio after a contractor raised privacy concerns about the quality control process. Now Apple's competitors in the space, namely Google and Amazon, are making similar moves to address criticism about their own audio review policies. Shortly after Apple's announcement, Google, in a statement to Ars Technica on Friday, said it, too, halted a global initiative to review Google Assistant audio. Like Siri grading, Google Google's process runs audio clips by human operators to enhance system accuracy. Unlike Apple's serious situation, however, a contractor at one of Google's international review centers leaked 1,000 recordings to VRTNWS, a news organization in Belgium. In a subsequent report in July, the publication claimed it was able to identify people from the audio clips, adding that a number of snippets were, quote, of conversations that should never have been recorded and of which the command, and I won't say it, the wake word, was clearly not given, unquote. The VRT leak prompted German authorities to investigate Google's review program and a level of three month and level a three month ban on the voice recording transcripts. Uh, It says, quote, shortly after we learned about the leaking of confidential Dutch audio data, we paused language reviews of the assistant to investigate. This paused reviews globally. Google told Ars Technica. Google did not divulge the halt to global reviews until Friday. Amazon is also taking steps to temper negative press about its privacy practices. And on Friday, rolled out a new option that allows users to opt out of human reviews of audio recordings, Bloomberg reports. Enabling the feature in the, um, the Amazon Alexa app excludes recorded audio snippets from analysis. And I'll tell you how to do that in just a minute. Uh, back to the article, it says, quote, we take customer privacy seriously and continuously review our practices and procedures. We also will be updating information we provide to customers to make our practices more clear, unquote. While it may come as a surprise to some, human analysis of voice assistant accuracy is a common practice in the industry. It is up to tech companies to anonymize and protect that data to preserve customer privacy. So, yeah, that's basically what I was saying last week. That uh, this is not really unheard of. It's not actually super creepy as long as it's done properly. You know, Basically, these audio stimulus should be totally anonymized. Uh, and, and we should be able to, you know, grade these things, have a human, make sure that these things are actually translating properly. And if not tweaking the algorithm to get it right. Um, but just because you're hearing these snippets doesn't mean you have any idea who that person is. You shouldn't have any idea who that person is. So it should be, should be totally anonymous, uh, ideally anyway. Uh, and if they're screwing that up, then that's a problem. Um, but they also, you know, I guess they should have been clear about this and they should, you know, they should have been giving customers the chance to, uh, opt out of this collection. And that is actually apparently what Amazon is doing right now. So if you'd like to do this, the, the, uh, my guess is that Apple will probably be offering the same capability soon. Um, but anyway, right now, Apple and I guess Google, well, I guess all three of them have you know, called a moratorium on this for now until they work it out. Um, but uh, if you want to right now, you can go into your, uh, the app that comes with your Amazon Echo products. Uh, if you go into that Amazon Alexa app, uh, you go to settings, Alexa privacy. And then manage how your data improves Alexa. Now there's a there's a ch- little checkbox there that you can turn off. And when I went in there, mine was actually already off. So I don't know if maybe I'd found this a long time ago and turned it off or or what. But anyway, if you would like to do that, that should, in theory, prevent your specific recordings from being part of this grading program. If that weirds you out. All right. Now for basically the kind of the main meaty story of the week, and this is this is one that's kind of tricky. So um, I've got two articles that I want to read from here um, because it's they cover two different aspects of this that have come out come to light recently, and they're both disturbing in their own way. Though I understand what they're trying to do, so um, let me read you these articles, and then we'll we'll discuss. The first one is from Vice.com, uh, who I believe is uh, partnered or owned by Motherboard, um, and it says the following: Amazon's home security company Ring. Uh, has enlisted and that's this is the ring doorbell which i have which i guess i should stop real quick and let you know if you haven't heard of this it, it it replaces your doorbell it's this little little device that wires kind of on top of where your old doorbell used to be it's a rectangle about i don't know maybe four inches high an inch wide and a half inch or three quarters of an inch thick and it's got the doorbell on it it's still got the doorbell but right above the doorbell it's got a little camera uh, and this whole thing hooks up to your wi-fi and then of course there's an app for it and whenever someone rings your doorbell, it notifies your apps. So it could be your phone, your, your tablets, uh, your computer. Uh, but the cool thing is that you can see who's ringing your doorbell. You can actually look through the camera with, with these apps to see what's going on. Uh, the other thing about these apps is they have motion sensitive control so that if something walks by your camera, it will also trigger and say, Hey, something, I just, I just saw something. Uh, so someone could actually come up to your door, uh, not ring the doorbell, leave a package or kind of come up and look r- look through your windows or whatever, and then walk away. And you'd still know. So, you know, it's being sold as kind of an informational thing. It's also really being touted lately as a security thing, which is kind of where we're going to go with this article. So, um, I've actually really enjoyed it the, my office in my home office at home is actually down in the basement. So if somebody comes and rings my doorbell, I can Oh, the other thing is it's actually got a two-way audio. I can actually, when someone rings my doorbell, a little window pops up. I see who it is, uh, and I can actually turn on two-way communications and talk to them and say, oh, just leave the package, or I'll be there in a minute, or whatever. And one of the early security things that that was touted about this device was you could pretend to be home. So, you know, a lot of times what happens, uh, apparently, is that burglars like to rob your house during the day. And, you know, uh, they don't want people home. So they will come up and pretend to be selling you something or whatever, and they'll ring the doorbell to find out if you're home. And then if you're not home, well, then they, you know, then they will try to find a way into your house and steal your stuff and get out before you ever even know. So the idea with the ring here is that if they ring your doorbell, you can say, oh, I'm sorry, I'm in the the bath or I'm tied up right now. Uh, Come back another time or whatever. And so therefore the burglar believes you're home when you're in fact, you're not. All right, so with that as a background, let me start this article over again. This is from Vice.com. Amazon's home security company Ring has enlisted local police departments around the country to advertise its surveillance cameras in exchange for free Ring products and a portal that allows police to request footage from these cameras, a secret agreement obtained by Motherboard Shows. The agreement also requires police to keep the terms of this program confidential. Dozens of police departments around the country have partnered with Ring, but until now, the exact terms of these partnerships has remained unknown. A signed memorandum of understanding between Ring and the police department of Lakeland, Florida, and emails obtained via public records request show that Ring is using local police as a de facto advertising firm. Police are cr- contractually required to, quote, engage the Lakeland community with outreach efforts on the platform to encourage adoption of the platform slash app, unquote. In order to partner with Ring, police departments must also assign officers to Ring-specific roles that include a press coordinator, a social media manager, and a communications relations coordinator. Ring donated 15 free doorbell surveillance camlets to the Lakeland Police Department and created a program to encourage people to download its neighborhood watch app, Neighbors. For every Lakeland resident that downloads neighbors as a result of the partnership, the documents show, the Lakeland Police Department gets credit toward free ring cameras for its residents. Quote, each qualifying download will count as $10 towards these free ring cameras, unquote. A ring doorbell uh, camera currently costs $130 on Amazon. Police already have access to publicly funded street cameras and investigative tools that help them track down almost any criminal suspect. But Ring cameras are proliferating in the private sphere with close to zero oversight. Amazon is convincing people to self-surveil through aggressive, fear-based marketing aided by de facto police endorsements and free Ring camera giveaways. Consumers are opting into surveillance. And police are more than eager to capitalize on this wealth of surveillance data. The result of the Ring Police Partnerships is a self-perpetuating surveillance network. More people download neighbors, more people get Ring, surveillance footage proliferates, and police get and request whatever they want. Alright, so that's that's the first article. Basically what this is saying is that well, Ring used to be a private company. Um, when I bought my Ring doorbell a long time ago, it was a private company. And then Amazon bought them, just like Amazon bought Nest, thermostats, and a whole bunch of other smart home kind of things. So ever since Amazon bought Ring, uh, the marketing has really kind of changed a lot about how the the Ring products are sold. And it's quite obvious like, through these partnerships with police and some of the other things. Like, for instance, I my Ring app automatically sends me a neighborhood watch, um, like a crime report. I think it's once a week. Um, I I, actually, I'm getting, I'm getting a couple of them now and I can't figure out how to turn one of them off and it's driving me nuts. Um, but it's obviously what they're, what they're trying to do is kind of stoke fear about stuff going on in your neighborhood. And, you know, it's kind of like having you know, the nosy neighbor in the neighborhood who's, you know, telling everybody about, oh, I saw this the other day and I saw somebody doing this that looks nefarious and, you know, and people get talking, talking, gossiping enough about this kind of stuff and people get more scared. And, you know, so they buy um, security systems and things like that. And it's, you know, I'm not saying it's necessarily a bad thing. I mean, I've got one. (laughs) So, uh, but it's quite obvious that they're, they're trying to find ways to make consumers hyper aware of everything that's going on in hopes that they will spark people to buy more of these products. And um, it's kind of like this article says, it's kind of a self-perpetuating thing, but it gets weirder. (laughs) Let me me read this article now from Gizmodo uh, about another partnership with the police. Amazon-owned home security company Ring is pursuing contracts with police departments that would grant it direct access to real-time emergency dispatch data, Gizmodo has learned. The California-based company is seeking police departments' permission to tap into the computer-aided dispatch, or CAD, or CAD, computer-aided dispatch feeds used to automate and improve decisions made by emergency dispatch personnel and cut down on police response times. Ring has requested access to the data streams so it can curate, quote-unquote, crime news posts for its neighborhood watch app, Neighbors. Quote, in an effort to provide relevant and reliable crime and safety information to our neighbors, one important source we rely on is CAD, unquote. The company told Gizmodo. Neighbors is an app through which users can share suspicions about alleged criminal activity in their neighborhoods. They can also post video captured by their Ring doorbell cameras if if they have one. Using Neighbors does not require a Ring device, however. An internal police email dated April 19th, obtained by Gizmodo last week via a records request, stated that more than 225 police departments have entered into partnerships with Ring. The company has declined to confirm that or provide the actual number. Doing so grants the department access to the neighbor's law enforcement portal through which police can request access to videos captured by Ring doorbell cameras. Ring says it does not provide the personal information of its customers to the authorities without consent. To wit, the company has positioned itself as an intermediary through which police request access to citizen-captured surveillance footage. When police make a request... They don't know who receives it, Ring says, until a user chooses to share their video. Users are also prompted with the option to review their footage before turning it over. One of Ring's main selling points to the police is that neighbors can be used for community building. Police partnering with Ring are encouraged to conversate, and I don't think that's a word, (laughs) to conversate with its users, who are encouraged in turn to share tips about activity in their neighborhoods. Police can follow posts and receive updates via email as new tips or complaints roll in. So let's sum this up. Amazon is partnering with the police departments to sell more ring doorbells. And part of the way they're doing this is trying to make the police and people hyper aware of what's going on in their neighborhoods and assuming they're doing this. And, you know, you know I've got this, I'm I've seen this myself. A lot of people will post saying, Hey, this guy looks fishy and we'll, maybe we'll post a video or not. Um, and you know, people get a little paranoid and start kind of oversharing. And so so you've already got that dynamic going on. Now you're getting the police involved, where the police are basically kind of giving away or, or giving rebates on or promotions on these Ring doorbells to buy them for security purposes. And in doing so, they're using this Neighbors app, which actually I've never installed, um, though I can still get some of these same things through my regular Ring app, uh, that kind of lets you share information directly with the cops and have the cops ask you for information. So let's say there's been a let's say there's been some car breaks and break-ins in your neighborhood. And they know that one of them happened on your street. Well, the cops can put in a request through this app, through this web portal and say, "Hey, anybody on the street have video from this time frame? We're looking for somebody who's been breaking into vehicles or breaking into homes or or whatever." And, uh, and you apparently the way this works is you have the option at this point, you're notified, uh, and you're notified to say, Hey, you do have some videos during this time frame Would you like to hand these over to the police? And apparently at least there's one more step where it says, you know, would you like to look at the video you're going to be handing over before you send it? And then, uh, to give you a chance to review it one last time before you turn it over. So, um, obviously on one level, I see how this is really cool for police. And I can also see how this could be a very valuable tool for, you know, catching criminals, but it's a, like with all surveillance technologies, it's a really slippery slope. And so, you know, I was all for this product when I got it. And for me, it was just a a camera that faced out. It didn't look into my home. Uh, it only captured because I'd set it up this way. You can set up the motion capture stuff to only capture certain areas. And I only capture video if somebody basically walks up to my doorstep. Uh, because it can see the road, it can see my driveway, and I don't want it to trip every time a car drives by or the mailman comes up or or whatever. So I set the motion and stuff that it only captures basically when someone comes to my door. Um, nevertheless, its I am basically contributing to the surveillance state. And while currently there seems to be a lot of checks and balances in place and, and opt-in, which is good instead of opt-out, um, I could certainly see a situation where this changes the future. For instance, if you get your ring, do- ring doorbell from the police department at a discount, part of what comes with that agreement is that you agree to automatically give them access to your feed whenever they want. And I'm sure that would be buried deep in the terms of service in the contract somewhere. And on the face, on the face of it, it looks like, hey, the cops think this is really good for you know, catching thieves. So therefore, we're going to give you a discount on this because it just helps us do our job better. Right. So it seems like a win-win. Um, but in reality, you know, let's, let's say this really takes off and we've got, you know, every fifth house on, uh, in, in the neighborhood has a camera on it. Now you've got basically police surveillance of your neighborhood 24 seven all the time. Do you want that? Now couple that with license plate readers. What if these cameras are good enough to read license plates as cars drive by? If you've got these things on every fifth or 10th house in a neighborhood all of a sudden, you know, everybody that comes and goes in that neighborhood when they, and when they come and go, um, if they drive within the neighborhood, you know, where they've, where they've gone. Um, so anyway, we'll see what becomes of this, but again, I, I don't know how we stop this without regulation. Uh, these companies are obviously not going to self-regulate and if, uh, they're there to make money and the way they make money is by selling more products and, you know, so bottom line, uh, I, I still like the product, but I'm going to be keeping a very close eye on, on this and looking for more investigative journalism like this to tell me what's really going on behind the scenes. And, uh, if I, if, if it ever gets to the point where I feel like my camera is being hijacked to be part of, you know, big brother, uh, that I'm probably gonna have to change my choices. All right. Just a couple more news tidbits, and I, I'm not going to read any articles with these. I'm just going to kind of give you the, uh, the high level view, you may have seen this in the news recently about uh, f- uh, there were some school districts in Florida and then and then in Louisiana that were attacked with ransomware. And if you recall, ransomware is malware that gets on your system, on your computer, and in the background encrypts all of your files. And then once it's done, pops up a notice that says, hey, I've encrypted all your files. If you want them back, then you got to pay me money. So it's ransom, right? They've taken all your data, your your family photos, your home videos, your music collection, all your tax documents, you know, whatever you've got on your computer that you could not replace. They have encrypted them, and if they've done a good job, those files are unreadable, completely unusable by you until you get the decryption key. And so they hold that decryption key uh, until you pay them money. And you know, you might worry that, hey, I'm going to pay them money, and they're not going to give me the key anyway. It's funny because they, <laughs> generally speaking, for this to work, they've got to be honorable. <laughs> so, you know, if word gets around that, you know, no one actually ever gives you the key when you pay, then no one's going to give them, uh, no one's going to pay up. So, you know, they actually have some sort of level honor that they got to maintain uh, integrity uh, so that this whole scam keeps working. So, anyway, so you find some way to anonymously pay them, usually with Bitcoin. Uh, and once you get your money, they get the key, you get your files back. Now you're probably still infected, so at that point you need to take some further action. But anyway, the whole point being that you know we we've heard you know you've probably heard me talk about individual stories where uh, an individual user has a problem with their computer, they get ransomware, they get screwed. Well, you know, and you know, in that case, the the kind of the going rate uh, for ransomware is maybe three to six hundred bucks. Um, you know, it's not cheap. But you know it's not gonna not gonna kill you. And if you really lost some files that you just cannot replace, that you must get back, you know you're gonna you're probably gonna pay that. Well, uh, what the bad guys have figured out apparently is that there's much bigger fish to fry here. And so they're but so they're going after they could be going after big companies, but big companies have a lot of security stuff kind of built in. Uh, they they can still get hacked, um, but they're they're kind of harder targets. So they kind of go for this mid range corporate target. And that in a lot of cases, that's local governments uh, or munici- municipality kind of things, utility companies, in this case, school districts. And so they're going after these school districts and, and getting somebody to click on a link somewhere in the school system to click on a bad link. And all of a sudden this malware starts spreading everywhere and encrypts, like, let's say all the students' uh, history of, of enrollment and grades. Uh, all, you know, every 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 bit of data about the school system is now locked up tight and the reason they're doing this is a couple of things. First of all, these these small communities certainly have an IT guy at least, but you know, they're, you know, the chances that they're going to have the budget and the time to keep up to date with all the latest security patches and security tools and processes, you know, and be able to somehow educate everybody in the department to not click those links and download that malware is hard. And that's part one. So they're, they're kind of ripe targets. Uh, and part two is this is becoming common enough that a lot of these munis- municipalities through the state or privately have gotten insurance. They have insurance policies against ransomware. So they can ask for basically a lot more money. And they have. So in some of these cases with these school districts, they've asked for hundreds of thousands of dollars. And in a lot of cases, these school districts have paid they, what else, what else are they going to do? Um, now I will say, uh, and I, hopefully these insurance companies that are backing these schools up and the schools, IT departments themselves are familiar with this. There is a website called nomoreransom.org. That's nomoreransom, all one word, .org. Uh, that is because these, hackers that do this aren't perfect and they screw up sometimes. Or there's sometimes they're just lazy and they, they try to get away with something and they they don't do it properly. Uh sometimes there are cases where you can, with the right malware, get your get your data back without having to pay. Um so uh if you ever or no if you ever get infected by ransomware and know somebody who does, absolutely send them to No More Ransomware no sorry, no more ransom dot org. Uh try that first before you pay. But anyway So they're going after companies that have basically deep pockets, not because they're rich, but because they've got these insurance policies that cover these things. So, anyway, I'm just bringing this up to let you know you're probably going to see more of this because these are these are really lucrative targets, and it's this is going to keep happening, unfortunately. Um, And it's really honestly going to be interesting to see if these insurance companies even start even keep writing policies, or if the if they do, uh, you know, the premiums for these kind of policies are probably going to go through the roof. And, but hopefully, maybe what'll happen is is these insurance companies will then, you know, amass some knowledge about, you know, how to protect against these things. And as part of the policies, will require training for the people or require training for at least the IT department. And you know, and some basic security measures being put in place. So, anyway, until then, unfortunately, I think there's a lot of, probably a lot of, you know, local government kind of facilities that are going to be hit by this stuff, and you're going to see more and more of this in the news until. I don't know, until maybe we figure out some ways to stop it. All right, last up before the tip of the week, um, update everything. <laughs> There's been all sorts of bugs in the news lately, and this is on macOS, or sort of mac computers on iOS, which is, you know, iPhone, iPad, uh, Android, Windows, uh, NVIDIA. So if you're a gamer, or maybe even not, I guess, because game, you know, these graphics cards come with your computers, whether you're a gamer or not. Um, so there's been all sorts of bugs lately. So, uh, um, and I'm not going to go through each and every one of them, but basically make sure that your max software is up to date, make sure your iOS is up to date, make sure your Android, uh, phones are up to date software wise windows as well. And in particular, um, uh, NVIDIA, if you've, if your PC, if your windows PC, or, um, I think it's just windows, um, Uh, has an nvidia graphics card in it make sure you've got you've downloaded the latest nvidia software the firmware for those because there has been some nasty bugs found lately in nvidia graphics cards all right so last one tip of the week and you know this is an easy one this is and hopefully a fun one um and there's a new netflix documentary called the great hack and the great hack is about the whole facebook and cambridge analytica scandal uh that hit for the 2016 election and how Data that was collected by Facebook and was taken supposedly against Facebook policy by Cambridge Analytica was used to influence the presidential election in favor of Donald Trump and against Hillary Clinton, Uh, but also the Brexit campaign uh, in in the UK. Uh, And actually many, many other places. One of the interesting things about this documentary is all the other places, all the other elections around the world and many in Africa and, and, and other small countries, um, where they were extremely, extremely creepily successful in influencing local elections. Um, it, for me, part of it was a little bit, I, I wish it had a little bit more info, but maybe that's because I'm already so familiar with, uh, many of the things that happened there. Um, You know, if you've only heard me talk about it, it's definitely worth watching. Now, it's a little dramatic, maybe a little overly dramatic. It follows one or two people in particular and kind of covers their story, which, you know, from a human interest thing is interesting. But for me, the the, the most interesting part, of course, is the political and the social impacts. Uh, of all this data collection and how it was used against us and to manipulate us. So anyway, especially with the next election coming up, the the Russians have certainly not stopped. Cambridge Analytica may be out of business now, uh, which the the, the documentary goes over. Uh, But there are so many other companies out there doing the same thing. And Facebook is still around and that data still exists and even more is being collected. So uh, it's sobering, Uh, but also very interesting. Um, It's well done. It was a well done documentary. So my tip of the week, if you have Netflix... Go watch The Great Hack um, sometime soon, certainly well before the next election. And uh, now it will actually be a really good time to watch it because a lot of our congressmen here in the U.S. are on break, which means they're at home with their constituents and they're holding town halls. So, you know, if you watch this and get sufficiently, uh, sufficiently inspired, you might want to attend one of your town halls and say, hey. What are we doing about election security? Because actually there's been several bills put up, put in front of the Senate and, and Mitch McConnell has blocked them all. Um, in fact, that's where he got his, uh, his new moniker, which apparently he hates called Moscow Mitch. Um, so anyway, you know, I try not to delve too much into politics here, but um, just from a citizen standpoint, it's important that you understand really what happened in the depth Uh, of the influence that 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 came from facebook and cambridge analytica and and how the people that did this really didn't think they were doing anything wrong um they just thought it was business so anyway it's called the great hack it's on netflix i highly recommend that you watch it All right, that's going to wrap up our show. I do want to call up a couple things. Uh, uh there was a really nice review done of my book Firewall Stone Stop Dragons by the RSA Conference blog. Now RSA is it's an encryption algorithm It's named after three people who invented it, Rivest and oh, I'm going to forget the other ones. Um but uh the RSA conference is a really big security conference. Uh one that I've actually wanted to attend several times myself and I haven't been able to make happen yet, but um uh, somehow or other the, the guy who does book reviews for the RSA conference blog got a hold of my book from A press and wrote a very nice review. So uh, I'll put a link to the show notes but if you just search on RSA conference blog book of the month, uh, you'll find a whole bunch of them and the most recent one will be mine. Then you can check out that review, maybe share it with some others. Uh, and he also uh, the the reviewer also posted it cross-posted it on uh, Amazon against my book and on Goodreads as well. Also A press my publisher has been doing a um, uh, kind of a beginner's book bundle thing that they had, a, a thing they had going on last week. And they've actually turned that into um, a little book list on amazon.com as well. So if you go to Amazon uh, book lists and look for a beginner book list from a press, you'll find my book in the long list of books that they sell that they're targeted toward beginners. So if there's any other books that you might want to check out uh, that for beginners, you might want to look in there again. I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. And while I'm talking about it, I guess if you've, if you've read the book, great, uh, I'd love to get a review from you on Amazon, give it a nice review on Amazon. If you haven't read the book, uh, after all this time, uh, definitely check that out. It's got over 150 tips in it and they've got, I've got step-by-step instructions for Windows and Mac and going back three different versions on both of the OS's. is so how it was really, really time consuming, honestly, to go back and do that, but it's as complete as I could make it. So, uh, it explains everything in very simple terms that everybody should be able to understand. I use a lot of analogies. Uh, when it comes down to the nuts and bolts of it, when I say do this, I'll tell you exactly how to do that and what it should look like when you do it. So, uh, check that out. If not for yourself, maybe a good gift for somebody else. All right. So that'll do it for this week. Thanks everybody for tuning in. I appreciate it and, uh, tell others again, spread the word. Uh, I'm really trying to find some fun ways to market the podcast. Actually, if you happen to be a marketing person, do you have any ideas? Uh, shoot me a, shoot me an email. Let me know. Uh, carrie at wall You can find that information on the podcast website as well. Um, trying to, trying to reach more people. So uh, uh, if you have any great ideas, I'd love to hear them. And of course, the best thing you could do, honestly, is just tell all the people about it and spread the word, use your social media and all that fun stuff. All the, all the things I tell you that you shouldn't be using. If you're using them anyway, you know, you know, spread the word. If you like, uh, some more up to date stuff you can follow. The only really social media I use is Twitter. So uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Firewall Dragons uh, on Twitter. You can that's kind of where I, I post a little more technical stuff and and, and more up to minute stuff. So if you if you want more and more, and once a week is not enough for you, you can follow me on Twitter uh, and get the, the the hot news right off the press. All right, so that's it. Take care, everybody. Hope everybody stays safe out there until next week. Subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any. And uh, until next week, as always, don't get caught with your drawbridge down. I'm gonna make you